What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you so much for listening. Brief reminder to give us five stars and a review on the Apple Podcast Store or Spotify or any of that shit. Um, you know, it's just important to me because we started a new feed um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like starting from scratch. Um, was it a mistake? Probably. Should we have just stuck to one feed? Definitely. But I, didn't I say that? Wasn't I like, hey, don't do a new feed? Well. The only reason to, to not do a new feed is uh, mostly because it's like then you got to get everyone to go over to the other one. But I also want people to still wa be able to watch The Sopranos along with us and not be like, where's that Sopranos podcast? I guess it's gone. You know, it's about mm. leaving something for the future, you know, a legacy. Yeah, something behind for your kids. And like for some for your kids and you know, SEO is important. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. give us five stars in review, tell your friends and listen to both podcasts. All right. Today, sexual elephant observation. That's what SEO stands for. That's exactly what it stands for. Sexual elephant observation. Mm -hmm. Their trunks look like dicks. That's I right. mean, I have a weird looking dick. So today we're going to be talking about from season one, episode six of The Wire. And this episode's called The Wire. Um, which... Imagine I'm doing that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme because it's the yeah, uh, yeah. It's the yeah, episode's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, title of the show. It's yeah, that yeah. Thing. It's uh, Leo pointing he at said, the TV. He said the thing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today, that's the episode. It's The Wire. The Wire. And uh, today, our guest is a comedian, a TV writer, and the greatest human being I've ever met. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, Adrian McNair is here. Thank you so much for that glowing and accurate mm -hmm. review, Matt. That was... I, I, 
first off, I love how when you introduce your show, you tell people to give you five stars without even without even listening to a single episode. <laughs> Honestly, no. it's like, what is it? What what do you lose from it? If you've never listened to it, oh, you lose something from giving us a five stars in a review. I didn't. So I didn't think about this until just now. Did you invite Adrian on because this episode centers around the death of a beautiful mixed race man? Yeah, a beautiful uh, beige yes. child. <laughs> Absolutely. That, I was... boy, that boy was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that boy, you didn't have to do him like that. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, first time I ever saw Brandon splayed out all dead on that car, I was like, Adrian? Is that my friend? <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Sorry, yeah. they just look alike because they like skin. You're trying, to, you're trying to send me a message with this one. Like, dude, if you ever fuck with me, <laughs> if you fuck with my stash, <laughs> don't ever fuck with my stash. My, fuck with my block in Eagle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> my, my stash of pictures. If you come down to the come down to the fucking sack, dude. Mm -hmm. Never come down to this to my palace to the in Rock. Goddamn <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I mean, I honestly, the actual story was you were supposed to be on. I think a couple episodes ago, or at least one episode yeah. ago. And um, right before recording, you sliced your hand open. Uh, yeah. What 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 happened, bro? <laughs> I saw the stitches. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Truth be told, I was trying to fucking, I was trying to, dude, I don't know, this is a little like life hack for you guys, but if you have a frozen burrito and you poke holes in it, it yeah. heats up faster. Mm. So oh. you just get the sharpest knife you own and just hold the burrito up yeah. against your body. Hold a really hard thing <laughs> you stab at it with a knife. Use as much it. pressure as you can. Against your body, right as close to your heart slash neck. Actually, I, I had the knife. To be blunt, I had it. I actually had it against my body Fuck, when I first, dude. and then I was like, "Oh, this is unsafe." So I just held it out here, oh. and then I cut my fucking finger open, and you can like see into it. Uh, and it was bleeding really. So I, at first, I tried to like take a nap until it stopped bleeding. Hey, that's what the and doctors then, uh, say to do. That's I just, yeah, I just no, woke up covered in blood. EMT advice. Yeah, yeah go to lot, sleep. Just try. To I hope sleep. it turns out okay in the <laughs> yeah. morning. That's what they say. I fucking, Everything yeah, is better dude. in the morning. I was really faint. I was like, you know what? I think that's what my body needs. Uh, you're going to die <laughs> in the dumbest way possible because you're going to be like, oh, shit, I cut my carotid artery. I'm sleepy. You know what? I bet I can yeah, sleep dude. this off. I can sleep this off. Damn, And man. I took the fucking bus to the hospital. Which, which is, in L.A. is like, I mean, you weren't the only guy on the bus bleeding. If, if you take the bus in L.A., you're like probably below homeless people on most like people's like social hierarchy. <laughs> if you're a person who kind of has their shit together, but you take the bus, it's like, what the fuck has gone wrong in your life? It's yeah. never like, yeah. You're like, Oh, is he buying like drugs? He's, yeah, trying, yeah. he's trying not to get noticed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the wire, that's the show we're, we're, we're watching. That's um, right, Matt. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you like the wire, Adrian? I fuck with the wire. The wire, it's almost autobiographical for me. Oh, for real. Just given the life I lived in Yachttown, mm -hmm. Antioch, California. Mm. Right. Yachttown. The ghetto suburb, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, even this episode, the way Michael B. Jordan, his morning was mm. just like my morning, just mm -hmm. getting seven black kids ready for school. Giving out <laughs> chips and juice juice boxes. I don't know where they came from. They just live there. <laughs> yeah. Just seven. They, yeah, well, they man. just they followed yeah. the extension cord. Yeah, they follow the that's extension cord. There. Yeah, that's yeah, how he you, has power. You, like, yeah, you're always chips in there. Yeah, you got to steal power from your neighbors. That's that's, uh, that's, that's how, how you it works. You that's how you fish for black children. You just put uh, an extension cord. 
out of your window and you just <laughs> and then see who's connected their xbox to it yes yeah, so he was connected their ps1 to it matt oh with man. matt with matt in 2007 oh man <laughs> that is uh i i do not condone the racism that you have just heard um so do you have like a favorite character on the wire uh, i mean i the the thing the wire to me has always been like the holy grail of like underrated authoritative mm-hmm. like older black male actors yes like you got lance reddick yeah mm-hmm. you got the motherfucker who pays plays lester i don't know his name yeah yeah uh, yeah and you have the dude who is you don't know the guy that plays Lester? No, here's the thing. I don't know. I, I realize this is an important thing that most podcasts are usually better at, which is knowing people's names. His name's um, Clark Peters. You would Clark never Peters. expect Clark that guy. I would have never name expected his name Clark to be Clark with an e Never. Not in a million years would he, he be a Clark Peters. Who, who's the guy that he he's basically Danny Glover? He's like the police commissioner. Oh, uh, the oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Burrell, who is played by uh, Faison. Frankie Faison? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's always like a like a principal in an inner city school yeah. or a police yeah. chief <laughs> yeah. or just a fucking football coach in the south. He's always yes. the only three roles he has available to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like um publicly funded leader of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got a good union um, job based on his Exactly. One way or another, good unions. Yeah. Um but yeah, like uh there's there is kind of like I I agree with you completely that it is the holy grail of unsung uh amazing black actors because it is like uh as i'm watching more and more of this uh show like re-watching it i'm realizing how good the acting actually is i started off this yeah. podcast being like you know the acting's not really you know that all that great but the story is so good and the writing is so good that i just love it and in this episode in particular i'm like there's like there's multiple like peak performances Mm -hmm. where they really, really start cooking with the acting. Like you've got Michael, Michael K. Williams's uh, scenes in this are like, Oh shit. Fucking legendarily good. Oh, indeed. And then um, Michael B. Jordan, um, you know, he he has the scene where he is just like clearly future future sex symbol. Michael B. Jordan. Future sex symbol. Yeah. Currently underage sex symbol. This episode is a lot of good actors who they're they they're named Michael and having a middle yeah. initial. That's like a yeah. big deal. I will say, like, and both both of those that you mentioned, like, and a lot of these actors, like, they're so good on the wire, and yeah, uh, I feel like a lot of times I was chasing that high with some of these actors. Yes, and yes. and I yeah. maybe didn't find it. Like Lance Reddick is a beast. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a beast. he's great in everything. Yeah. I mean, Michael K. Williams was so good in The Wire that, like, I was trying to watch him in Boardwalk Empire, and it just was it didn't hit the same. He was great, I, dude. You didn't like him as Chalky? Chalky, I White. fucking love. I liked the Ch- show. I, I watched I Boardwalk Peter. Empire's first though, so and I might have oh. I watched that first before watching The Wire. Yeah, I, I didn't think yeah. his acting was quite as like stand out or as noticeably good in that as it was in this. I guess. Yeah, and and I think we also have yet to see. I think uh, Idris Elba top this role as well because he's so fucking good in this but michael k uh, i will say i know what you're talking about vince there is something where it's like this role he just is so good in this that every you know every role after is like 
they're good, but yeah, really, because nothing beats everybody Omar. Wa- everybody wanted him to be that. Yeah. So after yeah. that, they were like, "Oh, dude, this guy's like Omar. Can you do an Omar thing?" Like every single show he was in. Yeah. Even in a what's the one with where he was with that guy in the south? Oh, I don't know. Was where was what they was that? Him, he was like a he was like a like a like a closeted black gay badass again. Oh, and it was. I need to watch the same that. shit. I I'm down to it. watch another gay Omar show, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because like, honestly, I could, you know, had you know, Lovecraft it. country. Oh, no, not love. No. Oh, he was gay in that, too. No, <laughs> not Lovecraft. Country. <laughs> uh, I gotta, hold on. When they see I, us, was it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have not seen Lovecraft country. Happen, happen, Leonard. Oh, Sorry. OK, I don't know that one. I haven't seen that one either. But I haven't seen Lovecraft Country, but my friends were describing it as like kind of a weird show because they were like, yeah, it's really weird. It's about like how there's a Cthulhu, but everyone's like not really. It's not so much that the Cthulhu cult exists. It's they're like they're racist. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I mean, that's okay. That's part of it, I'm sure. But also Cthulhu. And they're like, no, no, we got to stop them from being racist. (laughs) Yeah, I, I read the book. Uh, and interestingly yeah. enough, I'm, I think the book was written by a white guy. So that's like his, mm. that's how his perspective on racism. That's how he thinks black people perceive racism. Yeah. You'd save like, Cthulhu <laughs> if, if you could make him an anti-racist. Yeah. Well, no, just that, just that to black people in mm. his, from his like perspective, their priorities are so out of whack that they put like <laughs> racism above a, a Cthulhu yeah. level you gotta, threat. You <laughs> Cthulhu and they just want to keep talking about like, race. They, they fucking won't stop whining even yeah. if like well, we'll come together until they yes. get over this shit right. is basically the movie. We need to talk about racist followers of Cthulhu. Um, I gotta I gotta fact check that before. Yeah, you can fact check it, but for now I will say this is not a Cthulhu podcast. No, this is a The Wire podcast. We cannot start the show without first playing the theme song. If you Pod. Through the garden, you better Pod. Back. Well, I beg your Pod. Podcast. Pod. The Wire. Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today, we're going to be talking about, once again, Season 1, Episode 6 of The Wire, The Wire, which uh, premiered on July 7th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? Yes, Matt. Uh, This is the official HBO synopsis that Matt definitely did not write himself. Rawls tries to stop McNulty from doing his job, and Daniels tries to stop Polk from doing his job, and Johnny tries to stop Bubbles from doing his job. That's what the episode's about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, what was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? That's right, Matt. Uh, as we've said, you cannot evaluate art divorced of its cultural context. So I'm going to put some of that back in with the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. <laughs> news hole. News hole. The news hole. Yeah, we're going all the way back to July 7th, 2002 for this back in the day machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the day that Serena Williams defeated her sister Venus in the Wimbledon finale for her first Wimbledon. And third Dude, that's slam. crazy. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's crazy because, like, uh, didn't didn't Serena just play her last game like this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that what, is that when Venus quit when she was just like fuck this? Is that what happened? Is that when she I, she just threw in the racket? I'm gonna start that rumor. <laughs> yeah, I remember For that. Sure, like, v, like, I don't know much about tennis, but I remember Venus was like the one, and then Serena showed up, and everyone just kind of was like, oh. That's okay, we're doing that now. Williams. I think wasn't it like a it was like a thing like Venus was the one getting pushed because she was more like marketable. I think she had like well, I think mm, she was I just that's older what, and better sooner. Marketable uh, and quote unquote. Right. I think I mean, she was just better uh, sooner because she was the older sibling, but then she oh, eventually oh, got oh, oh, oh. I see uh, what you're saying. Because yeah, you know, when she was good, so, like Serena was probably like, you know, 13, 14. She hadn't quite come into her own or whatever. I forget I don't know which when a one's... tennis player's prime is supposed to be. But... That's before testosterone kicks in yeah. for young women. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which one's hotter. I, I think, think Serena was the one yeah. that was tr- more traditionally hot. Right. Venus yeah. was. And Serena was the one that kind of like just fucking was just built. Yeah. 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 They're both hot. But she, I think she did. She marry the CEO of Reddit. Yeah. What? She, yeah. 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 He married. Really? She, she fucks with the CEO of Reddit, dude. What? She has very fuck? strange taste. I think she was dating Brett Ratner for a while. So what I don't know if fuck? she likes chubby Jewish men. I guess. She probably is. She probably just want. Well, think about how much. Like, that's. You're telling that, me that's there was. I had, an a, I had a chance. That's I mean, right. if I had no, like invented but... <laughs> an app or something. Yeah. And yeah. If you were, if you were rich beyond imagination and probably. <laughs> more handsome and well-connected oh, no well, i'm i'm hotter than brett ratner and, okay. had a, yeah. and had a better personality yeah this is me comparing oh. you to brett ratner by the way <laughs> you have a worse personality than brett ratner that's fucked up he wow. he was friends with michael jackson that dude definitely also touched kids oh yeah was he oh uh, yeah yeah and Andy, I think he was instrumental in making that uh movie about how roman polanski was like misunderstood and uh yeah i just remember so mean to him I had no idea who Brett Ratner was for a long time. Uh, and then Rush Hour 3 came out and they, it was called like Brett, Brett Ratner's Rush Hour 3. And I was like, who the fuck? Yeah. Why did he put his name in the title? What an asshole. Yeah. And then it turned out He's, he was already a big deal. I think you were probably right. But, you know, Matt, we're not here to talk yes, about that's Brett right. I'm sorry. We're Go here ahead. to add cultural context to The Wire. Um, <laughs> very important story that was happening July 7th, 2002. U.S. expands its strategy for smallpox vaccinations. Oh, uh, good. The federal government will yeah. soon vaccinate roughly half a million healthcare and emergency workers against smallpox as a precaution against a bioterrorist attack. Uh, the mm. government is also laying the groundwork to carry out mass vaccinations of the public, a policy abandoned 30 years ago in the event of a large outbreak. 
Oh man, yeah. it's a good thing they did that. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe a million people would have died in this last. In this I, last, I think last epidemic. I think we um, America like because we've gotten so fat and cocky and smug. We need like a hard reset. Yeah. On like everything, so they need to just like withhold vaccines mm. for like. 15 years yeah 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 let <laughs> us get polio let... and measles again yeah and, just and a... then just kind of like let the yeah. chips fall where they may i like that starting right now they should just <laughs> so anybody who has a pregnant wife hey, is gonna be shit, shit out of luck <laughs> how dare you i'm gonna vaccinate my the, kids the day before see that's the thing though because if you start becoming like that then all of like the alt-right weirdos that are anti-government are going to be like nobody's getting between my kid and tetanus shots yeah and that's right then that's why they'll stockpile guns because we can't do anything about that that'll never stop but yeah unfortunately people gotta yeah. get their we, guns we can't stop curing diseases though yeah I, I like it uh other news motives remain murky around egyptian-born airport shooter I don't know if you guys remember the uh lax uh airport oh, shooting yeah yeah did, i didn't really what happened? remember it there was a guy at LAX who like showed up and like he, I think he, did he even kill anyone or was it like two people? Or Hashem something? Mohammed Hadayat was described as a devout Muslim who prayed five times a day, yet he was well, unknown to local mosques. That's a normal amount of times. Go some, ahead. Some who yeah. knew him said that's he was cold Muslim. and unfriendly and would sometimes spout anti Jewish rhetoric. Well, who doesn't? Go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bits and pieces of Hadayat's life emerged late last week as authorities worked to understand the motive behind his deadly Independence Day attack at Los Angeles International Airport, also his 41st birthday. Uh, mm, literally born on the 4th of July. Uh, Hadayat Happy opened... birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy death day. It's, I don't know what I'm doing. Like someone really. said L'chaim and he got super pissed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, you know how when you go to the airport and if you have like a bottle of water that's half full, and you get to the security, you're like, I have to crush this because I don't right. want to waste my water. Yeah, it was the to... same with him in, in bullets. And he just bullets, had a gun. Yeah. No, he had he a birthday he's like, cake. I got it. <laughs> he had a birthday cake with a gun in it. They made him throw away his birthday cake and he got super pissed. <laughs> he's eating a cake and he's just like, it's okay. I'm on Hadayat. Because that's his name. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come Sorry. On. Oh, so, yeah, so he, okay. He killed the father of eight who was just yeah. there to drop off a friend. Well, that's no, that sucks. He sucks, by the way. That's why I'm making fun of him. Yeah. Dude, here's the thing, dude. It's it's Vince. It's way easier to make fun of this when you don't name names and sure. how many children the victims have. Yeah, you're ruining. Like, we were it. having we were having a good time until yeah. you were like, oh, there were consequences of this, yeah. this shooting. I know. Now I'm sad. I hate how that works. Yeah, dude. The uh, bullet. So, so the the bolded chapter titles in this uh in this profile of the shooter uh first bullet point hated israelis uh, uh -huh. second one happy in u.s um third one complained about flags so yeah <laughs> that's i mean if that's all it takes to be a then that that's what yeah. i guess i'm a terrorist just because yeah. i hate they israeli and unhappy about flags but love living here that doesn't they, mean i'm a bad guy the the bar is so low they didn't even include the shooting in those bullet points. Yeah, yeah. Shot they didn't people. Say mass shooter. Yeah, yeah they were just yeah. like, this is a this is enough. We don't need His the bio extra. is like really burying the lead of <laughs> shot people to death. Yeah. Finally, uh, we got a very important story that I think you need to understand this episode, uh, mm. which is Michael Ovitz blames his downfall on quote gay mafia. Uh, 
Michael Ovitz blames his down. Once the most powerful man in Hollywood, the former top agent and manager accuses industry power brokers, many of them not gay, of conspiring against him. <laughs> Michael Ovitz. I've never heard of this guy. What did he do? Like, he's a producer? Ovitz, whose artist management group collapsed last year, costing him a reported $200 million, uh, blames his business troubles on an enemies list that he says includes DreamWorks co-founder David Geffen, Disney mm -hmm. chairman Michael Eisner, rival yeah. talent manager Bernie Brillstein, Brian mm -hmm. Lord, Kevin Huvane, and Richard Lovett. Part gay, 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 gay. Universal Studio president Ron Meyer, uh, Universal Entertainment CEO Barry Diller, and New York Times Hollywood correspondent Bernard Weintraub. Wine Rob. Sorry. All these gay Jews. <laughs> Wait, was was Orbitz was Orbitz Jewish as well? Probably. Himself? I don't I assume. know. Like assume. maybe that's that's what like because everybody always blames the Jews. Yeah, and then, then the, the Jews, Jews blame the like, gays. They just yeah. reset to the, the mm -hmm. gays. And like, then no, just, no, no. It's we, not we, Jews. It's the gays. We call that jujitsu. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Guiding one opponent's hate towards another. That's right. I love it. Is jujitsu. It yes. was the goal of these people to eliminate me, Ovitz tells Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. This business would have worked except for these five or six guys. They wanted to kill Michael Ovitz. If they could have taken my wife and kids, they would have. Well, why would the, what would they do with your wife if they're all gay? Yeah. Uh, probably give her a makeover. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the gay mafia. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. I mean, I figured Omar heavy episode, uh, we needed a story about the gay mafia. Absolutely. Uh, so that's yeah. what was happening. And uh, that gives us, I think, a lot of great context for this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I feel like this episode, if I had an alternate title, uh, I would give it, this is the job. So this episode is about the cognitive dissonance between like what your job is and what you thought your job was. That's that's kind of how I felt like that line comes from the moment when Freeman and Prez are um, finally monitoring the low rise payphones, you know, with a wire. And they're telling the rest of the detail like their job most of the time is going to be being on a roof taking pictures of people on pay phones so we got to be out there on those rooftops for hours watching these assholes talk on the phone yep it's more bullshit detective this right here this is the job to which i say um is it <laughs> is it the job because i mean i feel like the the conception yeah. of police work that Herc has is like what's that movie walking tall where like the sheriff uh, yes. like strides into town holding a big two by yeah. four and he's like i'm gonna everybody right. better be scared of me i'm gonna yeah. fuck up every everybody that pisses me Herc. off and that's gonna clean up yes. this town and i think that's and th but then like in reality yeah you're like skulking around a roof uh yeah. like sitting outside watching someone's car for 18 hours a day and that's like the, yes. the best police work you're gonna do Right. Perk was like he was like one of the guys in um Denzel Washington's crew in like training day. Right. A hundred percent. He's the one like he wanted to be that, but then he had to do real police work and he's just like, fuck. Right. And and to be honest, what Herc and Carve think is the job is what the job is mostly right. like everyone's <laughs> perception of the job, like Herc and Carve are both like, I'm pretty sure the job is cracking Bodie's skull. Yeah. And like yeah. Rawls is like no, no, the job is, you know, getting good stats mm -hmm. and 
even if that means you take fucking the red up numbers and, and you t- make them black. Yeah. Exactly. You make the cases go from red to black. Like he's like he's doing it because that's the job. And like Daniels isn't going to, you know, confront Rawls, doesn't want to because he's like, no, the job is not confronting Rawls. It's like listening to the chain of command. McNulty's whole job just to show how everyone how smart he is because he loves his job more than he loves his own children. And he brings, he brings his kids around a known fucking murderer. I love that. Who's a lovelorn murderer who's on a fucking like a path of revenge after yes. his lover was just murdered. Yeah. He takes him on the way to identify the dead body <laughs> of, of his lover. Of his yeah. lover. And, and he's, he's just, just like, like, all right, kids. Yeah, go play your game, boys. Uh, you know, don't worry, I'll be right there. I love in the scene before that, he's like, uh, yeah, work sucks. We're all going to get lasagna. Oh, wait, uh, uh, my beeper went off. Guys, I have to go meet up with this murderer. On, Can you come with me? <laughs> I would. It, I want to watch an episode that's or a, a a spinoff that's just the kids' therapy sessions, dude. Yes, yeah. the McNulty children in therapy being like, <laughs> yeah, they're just. Oh, so I've seen some shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I think what you're saying is like that. The, you know, every job there's like a uh, there's like a trident of ways to look at the job. There's like the job mm-hmm. that you signed up to yeah. do. Uh, there's the job that your boss wants you to do. Uh, and then there's like your, uh, actual stated job duties. And they're yeah. always right. Usually like a little, the, if not a lot distinct from each other. Yes. And then there was a motherfucker what was his name that he was like, I'd rather just check into rehab. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. that was like his like home base. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Literally like, Daniels in that scene is giving him the choice between like, you either got to check into rehab or you can live your life. Uh, yeah. you know, because you do drunk, drunk as you want, but be, but you have to be on a roof taking pictures. Yeah. Lieutenant, please. Look, you I... were dumped on me, Ogie. But it ends there. I don't dump people. You either go out on those rooftops today to watch payphones with the rest of this unit, or you go over to the medical office and check yourself in. Medical? For alcohol abuse. Either dry yourself out or go up on those rooftops wet. And he was just like, Nah, I'm good, man. I'm going to yeah. go to rehab. I just really don't want to do work. He fucking like, hates photography. Is the, the idea that yeah. he would literally rather quit alcohol than go to work <laughs> is <laughs> perfect. It's so it's yeah. so great. Well, um, they can't like legally fire you from some job. Like, well, not with you, their unions. You... Yeah. Oh, good point. I guess yeah. you don't even have to go to rehab and just but, not show up. Yeah, you can, you can just you can do whatever he wants. Um, but yeah, so um Vince, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I agree with your assessment. I think it's a solid, like, mostly utilitarian episode that's setting up a few different things. Uh, there's, it's weirdly directed this episode. Like, there's a lot of weird, yeah, there's close some strange and, moments, like, extra close ups that yeah. you don't usually get. There's uh, a slow motion sequence. Uh huh. Yeah, and like a weird a musical montage. The, the slow motion sequence is when uh, Avon Barksdale, he shows up to the pit and it's the first time we see him actually at the pit. And he's oh. like, he and Stinkum and Stringer are walking in slow motion, kind of looking around. It's yeah. clear like the, you know, it's like, oh shit, this, here's the fucking king yeah. of Baltimore Westside Projects. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was, that was how I walked into fucking, yeah, dude. Math class. <laughs> yeah, dude. I walk into fucking math class like that. <laughs> After committing a murder the previous night, mm-hmm. a brutal, a brutal murder. That's how you I, walk I, into hell. The, the cool thing about that scene was how they cut in Michael B. Jordan's character. 
Yeah. They're like, make make him culpable in our evil. Yeah. That's kind of how I read it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, this episode, a lot like the last one, is it's it's the it's it's partly omar wish fulfillment and i think like omar is very clearly like the uh yeah like omar's the icing like they're giving us a bit it's almost over the top wish fulfillment because they're like you know we realize that the drug war is uh kind of pointless and we don't know Mm -hmm. really we're trying to trying to get you invested in these cops doing a thing that is uh sort of useless in the grand scheme of things right but Mm -hmm. if there's one person you can believe in it's a gay uh stick-up man who robs drug dealers and we're gonna give him this cool revenge he rips and runs dog that's right yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean overall i I would say this is an episode about huge clothes and the huge burdens of cyclical poverty. I love it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And so many Adrian, big clothes. Fucking yeah, there's a lot of big clothes. Yeah, dude. Adrian, did you like this episode? Yeah, I liked it for the... Well, here's the thing. I didn't really know what was going on in it. Like, for <laughs> sure. For shows like this, I can pick, like, one plot line to follow. Right. To, like, actually follow. And then everything else is just, like, legal and police jargon. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I have, like, a, uh, I have like a, a thing towards when there's a certain amount of white people on screen, I just, like, turn my brain off. Yeah. And then <laughs> when it's interesting again, I just, like, flick it back on. So, does that make sense? So no, like, I uh, have the same thing with black people. Whenever I yeah, see too many black people in a room, I, I'm just like, oh, they're probably doing rap music. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, they go back to the white. Turn it off. The, then it's back to the white people doing bureaucracy. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And he, cause think, all right, think about the scenes with uh, McNulty and it's Jay. And it's such a an uninteresting scene. Like, it's just... <laughs> like you have to nobody there's no stakes for no, anybody there's involved so in many scene. stakes bro there's so many stakes there's there's there are stakes but then you move to like the street level shit right and then that's like the more compelling do or die like omar like the stakes that omar is facing yes versus Com- like the clerical bullshit right yeah well, that's but they're the pointing th- out yeah. that the clerical bullshit is gonna have an effect on these life or death Good in point. The streets uh <laughs> yeah the- interaction so anytime there's a room full of white men that's where the real action is uh, in a weird way yes so i guess what it is is that um the way i watched it i think the first it would be like a room full of uh jewish elders and they all got long beards they're just rubbing sweaty palms together (laughs) behind behind every white man of power there's a tribunal of jewish men (laughs) (laughs) this is an anti-semitism heavy episode of pod yourself the wire figure out how they're gonna do blood libel and then and then those white guys are tasked with picking and choosing like black dice so it just goes Mm -hmm. down just lower and lower yeah, it's a show about cabals of Jews. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, dude. but no. What I was gonna say is that like w- the way I watched it, like maybe the first few times, I definitely, uh, yeah, I said this the last episode that all the scenes where you have essentially a group of white people in a room talking about something, um, like for me, it was like that womp 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 noise when Charlie Brown's teacher would talk. Like yeah. I wasn't sure what it was going on, and I was like, it can't be that important. It, um, you know what? It's because their attitudes are always the same. Like, mm. like oh, McNutty fucked up. Yeah, Jay yeah. is trying to make some kind of peace. Like, you just know there's no like there's no like turns on the scene. You just know what's going to happen. Yeah, you, you know. You under- I mean, the the yeah. conflict is the same over and over, which is that like 
McNulty wants to do the case. Rawls wants to stop the case. And and yeah. this is maybe the third or fourth time in six episodes that it's like, oh, the case is getting shut down. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you. But I, I definitely, in this episode, found myself more engaged than I've been before, uh, than I've been mm -hmm. ever before on the, like, Rawls storyline. Like, I found, like, that was the stuff that I was, like, kind of interested in. Uh, so I've split this up into three different parts. Um, so the first is uh, PTS D'Angelo, uh, in which D tries to help Wallace come to terms with causing Brandon's death. Um, the detail and the derail, which follows Omar's revenge plot, as well as Rawls attempting to fuck up the wire. And then the third is You'll Never Catch Me, Coppers, in which uh, Bubbles and Johnny do a new scam that involves stealing yeah. copper. So um, so let's start with the uh, cold open. Uh, in the cold open, um, we see Omar's lover. Brandon is splayed out on the hood of a car, dead as fuck. And uh, Wallace wakes up. I love the term splayed out by the way you, you're, it's like you're trying to make it sound hot sensual in a way yeah yeah no i mean it was hot again you know he's really attractive even that, with boy, his, that boy was beautiful yeah even with his <laughs> eyes burned with cigarettes um well but it's, yeah he's more beautiful when he's dead because he can't say cuss words now yeah that's true yeah, dude, that's true omar hates cuss, cuss words yeah. yeah he can't affront god that's right um so Wallace uh, wakes up and he's wearing his school clothes and you see him waking up all of the like black children in his house. Uh, all hoppers. These, all the hoppers. hoppers and touts and runners. It's the all preferred there. term. Yes, yeah. hoppers is the, is the nomenclature. They're like prefer. the lost boys of the projects. Well, yeah, you know dude. what's fucking crazy, though, about this is, like, realizing it's the first time you see Wallace outside of the pit. And although they've, like, definitely hinted at Wallace being kind of, like, a, a soft kid, you know, not really made for this. This is the first time you see him as not a child, but an actual, like, the only adult mm -hmm. there. He is, you realize yeah. that, like, holy fuck, this kid who, you know, two episodes ago was playing with a toy... Um, you know, and g getting a fucking 40 thrown at him by Bodhi, you see that he is the only authority figure, adult figure for all of these kids who are probably not his brothers. You know, these aren't, yeah. these aren't his relations. Like these are kids who will, it's either this or foster care. And I, I have a clip. Come on, get up. School day. Y'all going to be late. Let's go. Get to school. Go get up. Come on, man. Damn, Wallace. Damn, Wallace nothing. The hoppers like y'all don't go to school. As soon enough, they're gonna be calling around. All y'all gonna end up in foster care. Y'all want foster care? Let's climb your little black ass back in the beds then. Well, get out of my way, man. Damn, too early for this shit. The fact that he's like, it's either this or foster care is like, it's funny and also, holy fuck. It's like yeah. uncomfortably funny where you're like, ha, he wouldn't really do that, would he? That's how, that's how my father would speak to us, which mm. was very strange because he was white and he would still. <laughs> Yeah, white guy going. Don't wake you your damn black ass chip up. me. <laughs> yeah, wake your black. yeah, exactly. Because if you if you add white man, like it, the same. Do you want to end up in foster care? Yeah. Do you want to end up in foster care? Like you, the con the context is completely different. Yeah, it changes <laughs> immediately. Do you want to end up a ward of the state, Adrian? Yeah, yeah take your chips. 
Yeah, take your take chips. chips. Take Share your them with your brothers. Yeah. Your little yeah. black brother. Uh, I don't get. I don't get why they don't buy just more like healthy nutritional food. I know. Yeah, I thought that too. You know, I was like, there's not a lot a, of organic. Be, it's a food desert. Giving they them live in. organic Greek yogurt and fucking yeah. kale. Yeah. yeah. Go back like, to the get, Greeks and ask them to make you some yogurt. Yeah. Get yeah, some dude. of that Greeks yogurt or the lake trout. Fish is yeah. good for the body. Mm-hmm. Lox and bagels, I'll make dude. It threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, so after he helps everyone get ready for school, Glocks and, like, and bagels, they could call the store. All right. Sorry. Glocks, <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> Fuck. Um, oh shit. Okay. I love that, dude. Um yeah. Is that what you're gonna t- name the podcast to? Yeah, Glocks and Bagels. <laughs> Glocks and Bagels. Um, so then after he helps them all uh get there into, you know, get to school, um, Wallace and Poot see Brandon's mangled body and Wallace just walks Poot away. Waking in his up feelings. with a random uh druggy looking white, white woman. Chick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. And, like definitely it was like, wait. Poot is 15, right? Like, what is yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, How it's weird. I, I don't know. Maybe, like, this is just me projecting. But I feel like we got a shot of her that lasted maybe two seconds. And in that two At seconds, most. I feel like they communicated, yeah. oh, yeah, she's probably fucking him for some drugs. They did. She had a bigger role immediately, initially. And then they kind of just edited her down to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was like, they they like no, we got enough. They didn't make her like yeah. an obvious fiend where, you know, she had like yellow yeah. teeth or like oh, something over the top or yeah. like really sunken cheeks. But they gave you just enough to where you might make that in your head. I want to see like, more ah, of this. It's good casting. Yeah. It's like stuff like that. You're just like, man, yeah. once again, The Wire. You're like, is that an actor? Yeah. Or did they find a real life crack? Hole? I thought your mom did an amazing job in the role. Listen, and- motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. It's so, going to be Poot's love interest that season. All right. So <laughs> when Wallace and Poot see Brandon's mangled body. Can you just call him that that beautiful boy for the rest of the That this beautiful episode? boy, um, you know, yeah. is hurt. Uh, he's dead on the trunk of the car. So Wallace feels very much so like he is uh, responsible for this death. And this is probably the first time that he has ever been responsible directly for someone's death. And it happens to be the most brutal death that you you could possibly see like it's one thing to like see someone get shot or someone get shot because of you it's another thing entirely to see evidence of torture so this fucks up wallace um and that kind of leads to the uh wallace (laughs) talking to d confiding in him that seeing him dead really it's also kind of a fucked up, up crime because you're like uh you're you're doing more harm to yourself than the victim ultimately because like he's just gonna die mm-hmm. but you gotta live with the knowledge that you've sadistically I don't yeah, think most of those guys I don't think they're concerned about it yeah sure. I don't think they care no. about yeah. that and and they were what they were trying to do clearly was get him to give up some information they were like yeah. where's Omar where's Omar yeah. And to his credit, you know, um, he didn't give him up because, you know, love wins. I feel like um, if you're in a gang, you got to have like a torture guy. Yeah. Know, some guy oh. who's just a real sick fuck. Like you don't really want to hang out with him. Otherwise, you don't want someone in your inner circle doing that because then like you got to hang out with a bunch of sick yeah. fucking sociopaths. Like, hey, yo, call call Crowbar. Yeah. And then yeah, he's yeah. a motherfucker named Crowbar who just yeah. shows up. <laughs> And he has his ways. Yeah. <laughs> he's and a really nice, smiley guy. And he's just like, hey, guys, yeah. I heard he's we got to do a little torchy warchy over here. 
is a chain with a golden crowbar that mm-hmm. he wears all the time. Yeah. He's ready to torture at any given moment. I got all my uh, little wedges to uh, go under yeah. the fingernails of the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Wallace uh, is confiding in D about how fucked up he is. And like uh, Michael B. Jordan scene in this is so good. Like it's just I I'm I remember uh, initially watching the show and being like, Wallace was memorable for a lot of reasons for what happens later um, in this season. Um, but I forgot that this is the episode where I'm like, oh, Michael B. Jordan, good actor. And uh, I have a clip. I mean, yo, when you picked up that phone, what, what, what you think they was going to do, huh? Shit, all that shit is in the game, man. You know that. Yeah. Like you and that girl, huh? What girl? The one you told us about, remember? I mean, I like what you said about all that killing, you know? Especially that part about how it ain't got to be like that. Just sell the shit and move on. Yeah, I know. I remember that. But it ain't like that, is it? I know it ain't. Thing about it was his eye. His eye was blown out. And the other one was open. And, and yo, ding, it fucks me up. It's like he's looking out, like he sees everything, you know? Don't think about it. I can't. Fuck. So... That scene for me, I think, is like good for multiple reasons. One, because the acting is good, obviously, but also I think he's because... talking a little fast in this whole episode. He's slow down a little bit. He's trying. Yeah, he's like he's fucking panicking, dude. His, a little bit. Eh. I, I, I think he did a wonderful job, and I, I think um, the guy who plays D also crushes it in that because, like, D is also not built for this game. Uh, like he is, he's kind of, it's one of the reasons he likes Wallace and, um, but for D he's like, well, well, listen, buddy, if someone is in the game and fucks fucking steals from, you know, like robs the stash house, that's, what's going to happen. Like you, you have to, at the very least, prepare yourself for that. Like there's a level, all those new clothes. So now he has reason to uh, make up those indications, which I think crossed the line already. Yeah. I mean, he crossed the line that Wallace has not yet crossed. Like he's actually like gotten his hands dirty in certain ways. So it's kind of like, yeah, He's done though. At least he's 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 done dirt, and he is also like benefiting from it. Neither of which, uh, neither of yeah. which Wallace has done. But that's why I think that scene of him getting ready is so good. Because for one thing, yeah, it's sort of it's it's this sort of wordless portrait of who D is as a pers- person. Um, yeah. But I also think it's kind of driving home the point of. Uh, I mean, Johnny, what's his name, says it. He's like, if you don't have a dream, what the fuck you got? Yo, if you ain't got dreams, bubs, what the fuck you got? Thank you. Come on, dreamer. So he's, yeah, he's sort Weeks, of, yeah. he's in this in this job where, like, nothing about this job really inspires him. Like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have, like, some sort of grand purpose for his life. Like, he doesn't really have anything he, to he move towards the, or to do. The hope but, of a promotion. Yeah, he has the is, hope of a promotion. Yeah. And so he's he he he's doing this thing that he knows is wrong and he's not really into. So he sort of has to hang his hat on, you know, having new clothes and like, having nice threads yeah, and enough money nice to have multiple girlfriends. Yep. I, I had a I had a teacher in uh, high school who told us that there is a legitimate scientific term for when black people that are poor wear a bunch of nice shit and he's like scientists call it ghetto cadillac it's a real theory <laughs> what the fuck 
<laughs> he was my fucking history and philosophy teacher, dude. He said ghetto Cadillac. <laughs> He's like, scientists call it when you if you look at people from impoverished communities, mm-hmm. many of them black. Like yeah. he had to make special mention that they're black. Like yeah. it's called he just ghetto looks directly looks directly at you. You hear yeah. that, Adrian? Um, yeah, Jesus. like if Adrian was actually, yeah. So he puts yeah. on like a nice <laughs> shirt and a nice pair of pants, both of which could fit like a 375 pound man. Yeah, well, remember, yeah. it's the time. It's 2002 Baltimore, which is yeah. 1997 anywhere else. I so, mean, 2002 was still like a very big pants, big shirt. That's true. That's era. true. Yeah. I mean, was that it, Jabose or was that, bef- after, was that before after Jabose? What's Jabose? You don't know what Jabose are? I mean, I do. I just want to see if you. You don't know a single black person, do you? I Matt? know many black people. I don't, I don't know what Jabos are either. Is Jabos? Is like Jinko jeans? They're like they're like these baggy ass. They're like Jinko jeans, but they just have like a colored strip on them, mm. and then they would put them on there because they knew like kids who bought them would always need a pair of sneakers to match them with, so it would push um, more like spending and like pairing and shit. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they're ugly as shit though. Speaking of the company Jabos. Oh, yeah. It's probably time to take a break for some ads, isn't it? Oh, uh, yes. It is time to take a quick break from our sponsors. Jabos, big pants for black guys. <laughs> big dreams. <laughs> we'll be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we are back. Okay, continuing the Wallace ND storyline, PTS D'Angelo. Um, so D is tailing one of his underlings named Cass. Uh, she is, you actually we've hear her. We've never met before. Or who we've never met yeah. before. Right. Uh, and Matt, one, that's a fucked up way to talk about women, by the way. What are you talking about? Underlings? <laughs> Referring to them as underlings? Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I have to keep telling you all the time, dude. You're always yelling it out the fucking window. I have a lot of unconscious misogyny. I'm sorry. I'm tired of fucking. Yeah, dude. So it's always under you. I get it. All right. So, um, Cass is, you actually hear Cass and Sterling. Um, uh, these are two characters that you've barely met. Uh, she is buying groceries and she's not asked for um, any money from D so far. So D starts cracking all of her eggs on the ground and basically accuses yeah. her of, of stealing, which uh, sh she is. Yeah, it's a it's it's a, a, an interesting scene because it is like his the effectiveness of one by one throwing eggs onto the ground like loses its uh potency like three yeah. eggs in mm. and then d gets yeah. upset and just starts throwing all of them on the, I, I, I really loved uh just the blank look on cass's face like what is this motherfucker doing? yeah i also like the 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 acknowledgement that it's like you can afford food yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you must be stealing from me. If you can yeah. afford a, six eggs, not even 12 eggs. Yeah. Who the fuck buys six oh, eggs Oh, we're going to make an omelet? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that is true. Even, I was thinking the same thing that when it was like, oh, you're stealing. I was like, what is it, yeah. $2? Like, yeah. Are you buying staples? If people, you're buying food staples. If homeless guys... <laughs> can buy heroin she can figure out a way to get some eggs like a half feels, carton of eggs yeah it felt a little fucked up but um in you know uh just to be cautious uh d reorders the pit and he keeps uh Cass and sterling uh off the stash and he won't explain his um decision um so then that scene happens where avon and stringer and stinkum show up to the pit and they're walking in slow motion um, and D greets them. And like we said before, um, this is where Wallace kind of like becomes more complicit than he was before when they pay him $500 for pointing out um, Brandon at the Greeks, which I feel like in that scene, when D'Angelo takes the money, he's just like, hell yeah. yeah. And when Wallace sees him do it, I feel like he's like, he like he's disappointed in D a little bit. Like he's a little bit just like, man. Yeah, this, I don't know. Isn't th isn't this wrong? <laughs> like I that. thought he just didn't know how to read it. I thought I, it seemed more like he was just like, yeah. Like, like what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, because when he gave him the money, he was kind of just like whatever about it. Like there wasn't a, a huge reaction from that character. well there's something about michael b jordan's face like as <laughs> as a kid he just has like a sad boy face so he looks yeah. like a he, like he looked like he was like he was sad at d not mad at him but sad at him that's um, called disappointed matt yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i was trying to make it help i was trying to help you guys understand where i'm coming Is that from. how you articulate all of your emotions yeah whenever people uh like sociopaths like you can't understand emotions yeah i read yeah. it in his face he was sad at him um yeah and uh yeah so 
then Stringer has uh, decides to ask D'Angelo, so how's how's this trick working to catch you know the snitch? Does anyone here still have money? And D'Angelo decides not to say anything. He decides not yeah. to like throw Cass and Sterling um, under the bus. And he wait, kinda... quick quick thing, quick yeah. question: when you when you do the when you go through the characters, especially in the scene, can you do their voices? <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah, best yeah. As you can. Yeah. So uh, so Stringer uh, asks D'Angelo, he's like, "Oh, hello, mate. <laughs> so when you don't give them the money, did they do the snitching, yeah?" <laughs> And uh, D'Angelo is just like, well, uh, as a sullen alligator, <laughs> I've decided oh, I'm, my black scent is just going to be southern alligator, and I don't think that's offensive. Um, so, uh, so he decides not to snitch on um, Cass and uh, Sterling, and he actually explains it to Wallace. Um, and I feel like, to me, this scene is very much about, like, it's about D trying to be like, so this is the game that we're in. And if you are someone who has feelings and doesn't want to cause more drama, you need to be very strategic about when you snitch and when you and when you do not snitch. Because like you had to know that snitching on Brandon being like, oh, he's there, you know, at playing pinball, get his ass. You had to know that that was going to cause drama. And uh, so he explains why he didn't to Wallace. So why you dropping the lookout? Cash too. Cause they was thieving, yo. They got pissed cause I wasn't paying them. So Sterling, he started shaking up the vials, handing off the cash she was selling on the side. You ain't tell anybody? I mean, Stinkum, Bodie, they don't know? If I tell them, what you think they gonna do? They gonna take a baseball bat to Sterling, probably one to Cassandra too. It's too much drama, right? So. I just took them both off the stash. That's good management, in my opinion. Yeah. I just need to point out that he's he's very ungenerous to Bodie. Like he's a dick to Bodie. He's over the top dick to yeah. Bodie for no reason. I kind of think it's because he's like threatened by Bodie a little bit because maybe Bodie's not that younger and and Bodie's clearly more uh, you know down to like throw down and yeah because yeah. Ex exactly because Bodhi represents down. yeah yeah that's how I talk um, <laughs> no but like in this episode it's like Bodhi's the whitest shit I've ever heard in my life <laughs> Look, I'm down to throw down that's yeah right. like, uh, I'm I heard Viking there's uh, uh, there's some people you, here who want to catch these hands that's right um mm -hmm. yeah. no but no in this episode Bodhi is in juvie and Stringer calls him and is like I heard there's a kid down there that's got promise uh, asking about Bodie and his response is, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, should we bail him yeah. out of jail? I was like, yeah, whatever. Like that. Yeah. That's also how, that's also how the university of Miami recruits. Yeah. They just call into it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yes, uh, D does not like him because the truth of it is, is that D knows that the game is mostly filled with guys like Bodie. Like that's the kind of person who like stays, ahead in the game yeah and i think that makes him that scares him a little bit because he's just like because he's a you foppish know. dandy of a man well because he, he like you said at the end of you know he, why can't we just sell the shit and move on like he likes the the dream the idealistic dream of that being how you can do drugs but when really the bodies of the world is exactly what the war on drugs actually like creates it's creates yeah. bodies it doesn't create d's and wallace's mm -hmm. um it it eats 
it eats D's and spits them out. Yeah. Sucks a lot of D's, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, you Way mentioned. Mutualize my D's nuts jokes, man. Come on. Oh, I yeah, missed dude. it. Did well, you have a good? No, D's you nut? already you you jumped right into sucking. Oh, D's I'm sorry, and, dude. Yeah, yeah that fine. would have been good too. No, that's good. But you mentioned um, Bodhi uh, being, you know, Bodhi coming back yeah. and you know named getting after, out of juvie. Named after his parents' favorite Patrick Swayze movie, Point Break. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see, um, yeah, like you said, the D gets a phone call from Stringer, who's like, he I, does he have enough promise to bring home? And D is like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then you see Bodie in court surrounded by two, he has two lawyers and I like, again, with the acting, JD, (laughs) JD Williams is really good. Like he's trying to convince the judge that he's going to be a good boy, (laughs) right? but he doesn't, meanwhile, he doesn't know how to do that. Also being completely surprised by like having good lawyers and, uh, and right. having like yes. the having like the money equation be in his favor for once. Yeah. The, it, the last the last line in the scene was the best when he's like, Yeah, whatever, your honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that too. Your honor, my client stands ready to acknowledge that he was involved for a time in the sale of a small amount of drugs, <laughs> having been manipulated by older traffickers in his neighborhood. And the walk away? Preston was heavily medicated when he left the Cheltenham facility. Did you know what you were doing when you left Boys Village, son? Um, <clears throat> nah, I was, uh, I was messed up. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, just, <clears throat> I don't know, um, I'm, I'm ready to be good. I'm putting a respondent on home monitoring with his grandmother. Oh, uh, Your Honor, I- I'm afraid Mrs. Broadus doesn't have a telephone. She's not a fixed income, Your Honor. How about he calls his probation officer twice a week? <clears throat> cool. Whatever. I'm I'm ready to be good. It's just such a perfect way of encapsulating like someone who's not ready to be good. Who's like, what would a good guy say? (laughs) It's like he's talking to a teacher and he's just being like, yes, I, I, I will do my homework. Yeah. Is that what you you want to hear? Tape that other kid to the chair. <laughs> I, w- yeah. I guess I wasn't thinking, ma'am. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to see what would happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever, uh, Your Honor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's Bodhi then returns home, uh, sees that the pit is empty, and he, uh, you know, he gets on the phone, and that's when like Herc um, sees that. Bodhi is back and tells Prez Belusky because they're doing, you know, they're they're monitoring the pit and they see he's using the phone. Um, but mostly he calls because he wants to talk to Carver because he thinks that Bodhi escaped again <laughs> so that they could mount up and beat his ass. And um one thing I do I do love about the Herc Bodhi dynamic is how Bodhi never loses his chill. It's yeah, just like yeah. getting fucked up by Herc and Car- it's like it's kind of just part of his day. It's like flossing to him. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> like Yeah, it's it, it is an interesting scene because it's like on on the one hand I do love that like just getting your ass whooped by the cops um is like so normalized that he's he's not even like cuz like if that happened to me I'd be and I had like proof in my pocket that I actually was let out on home monitoring i'd be crying 
and being like, yeah. so I'm going to sue you. For doing <laughs> well, that's it. why you don't sell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you would have made it that far if you were that kind of in that position. Of Matt. course I, I wouldn't. To- I Listen, I can't take a punch. I cry. <laughs> I cry. Look, I ain't walk away from nowhere, man. Check my back pocket. Home monitoring? Yeah, man. If you ask questions before you start wilding on niggas, you might save everybody some trouble. How the fuck are you home? Juvenile judge, man. He saw my potential, okay? He expects big things from me. Yeah? Like what? I don't know, college, law school, medical school, all that good shit. Seriously, how are you out? Look, I'm I'm, gonna tell you something. Okay, this is just my opinion, but, uh, the juvenile system in this city is fucked up. It's a (laughs) big-ass fucking joke. No offense. Fuck. Hey. Look, give me a ride down to my grandma's, we'll call it even. In back, fuck nuts. And then he goes into like... The judge thinks I have a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite line. Yeah. A lot of potential, like, I could be a doctor, or go to medical school or some shit. And then uh, he's like, if you want to make it up to me, give me a ride to my grandma's house. And I was like, well, that seems a little strange. Like, who? I don't think people willingly get rides from cops. Um, no, you know? they don't want to get seen with cops, dude. Yeah, but no one wants to think you're a fucking snitch. They're building yeah. this weirdly enjoyable, like adversarial yes. relationship. Where yeah. it's like, oh, you squooey criminal, you did it again. <laughs> but they kind yeah. of like secretly like each other. Yeah, it it makes me like. On the one hand, I want to be like, hey, where's the verisimilitude that I'm used to? On the other hand, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like seeing this. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I like. Yeah, uh, it is at the end of the day a fictional show, and I'm okay with the fact that he's like, "Can I get a ride?" Like that's that's cute. Too. Well, they're all kind of the similar level of meatheads, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. they, they can't help but not. Well, bond they're over they're, it. they're all soldiers. Yeah, oh, those three characters are all just foot soldiers. Yeah, that's like, right. In their respective, so there's like a respect between them. Yeah, they all understand that at the end of the day, they're a uh, uh, kind of a violent cog in an evil yeah. machine. And They're so pawns. it's like that's that's yeah. what they do. They don't They're take all any pawns. Particular, well, I guess Herc and Carve some take some joy in it, but mostly they they all, like, ah, yeah. who do I got to beat up? I'll do it. I think for right. Herc and Carve, it's more. They like the beating up, not because they're sadists. It's just because that that's like the it allows them to do the least amount of thinking. Because like they've right. come to believe yeah. like that their job is to sort of you know go in and fucking hit the hit the running back. And if they they don't ever want to yeah. have to think harder than that. All the guys that I know that are cops are just like Herc. Yes, every single yes. fucking one of them. Like yeah. football didn't work out. And, like they blew their shoulder out, and mm-hmm. so they were just like, oh, I'll just become a fucking cop. Yeah. yeah no it's true that's that's what the people it attracts uh, is people who are like why why am i sitting on a roof all day looking at you know trying to build a giant criminal conspiracy case when there's all these guys on the street who are will willingly fight me adrian don't yeah. you do you envy those guys sometimes because i i do that a lot where i'm like you know right. Yeah, I'm, an ex, cops? I'm an ex-jock. Like I see like jockey jobs, like being a cop or being oh, a it's fireman. Like the easy. And you're like, and you're yeah. like, why didn't I do that? They still have all like the camaraderie. Like they have a decent union job where they don't have to work that hard. And I'm over here like trying to be a fucking artist where like everybody looks at me and it kind of hates me. No, Vince, I do not. I do not <laughs> fantasize about being a police officer like you do. Yeah, I mean, I, do not, I don't spend every day I going like, I should have been a cop, but like there's aspects Bro, you even look it. like a cop right now. Look at your fucking outfit, dude. Yeah, you, right. you, you are. conscious. You are wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt, right? right. This yeah. Well, that's what I'm you're saying. Com- you're complaining. 
you're complaining about your back so you can make a fraudulent handicap claim <laughs> oh, that's the that first you got hurt on the job yeah. chasing down a perp in reality yeah. <laughs> you fucking fall off a ladder that's the first thing they ask when you try to get a uh a appointment to get a fucking uh toradol shot in your back they're like did you do this on the job i'm like ma'am i work on a laptop uh yeah I- <laughs> yeah I did not. Do and then they just the look at you and shake their damn head. Yeah. Um, no, but there's like that. Uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like if you become a fire fireman or a cop, you can stay in the uh, I'm on a I'm on a team stage of your life forever. And uh, yeah, there is something yeah. that I can't help. but Not be as much as podcasting, though. <laughs> yeah, this is I get a team that, forever, dude. I get that through podcasting. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's how I, I really get my camaraderie on Zoom. Get to be get to be my true self. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking more about firefighters than cops, but I think it applies to cops somewhat. That makes sense. Eh, I guess you're right. I mean, well, I will say this. Um, uh, while, first of all, ACAB. Second of all, I will say that uh, one of the points that you're making, Vince, that I think is like, I thought a similar thing. When Daniels confronts Polk uh, about like the fact that he is drunk on the job, and Polk says, like, well, yeah, I missed a couple of days. He mentions that all of his run sheets for the last two weeks have been turned in by, um, you know, McNulty and Carve and Kima. Like, everyone has been forging his run sheets for him. Yeah, whatever um, job you're at, like, it's hard not to be attracted to a situation where you have or all of your coworkers will, will cover for you just because that's yeah. what you do. Uh, yeah, it is but like if, not, if, if it wasn't such an evil job. The whole cops having each other's backs thing sounds kind of nice. Great. Even when he's it's like just, busting, he's when he's busting uh, Polk, he's he's doing it like he's pissed yeah. at him, and he's still doing it in such a way where he's like, "Look, I don't want to really get you in trouble." Right. Uh, I feel yeah. like there's no thin blue line in any other job, and it's like, oh man, it'd be sick if we all didn't just like if all my, comedians my, uh, didn't constantly try to like cut <laughs> cut bits and pieces of podcasts and put them on the internet and be like this guy's it's, over is that what your concern is going to happen on this episode man oh yeah 100 percent. every episode okay now, the the, the other great part of that the other great cops having each other's back moment is when rawls brings santangelo into his office and he's trying to get him to uh you know snitch on mcnulty where he's like you wanted to see me major mcnulty does personal business on the clock i want to know he cheats on a run sheet, I want to know. He runs any kind of game at all, I want to know. Major, the man's an asshole. But he doesn't do much other than work. He's got this fucking case in his gut like it's cancer. He does no wrong. He doesn't drink anymore, doesn't drink on duty, doesn't drink and drive, Detective? Major. You got to help me on this, Michael. If he drinks and drives, and then Santangelo <laughs> yeah. looks at him like, holy yes. shit, boss. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not whoa, snitch whoa. On bro for drinking and driving. That's beyond the pale. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing. Dude, chill. He, yeah. he mentions drinking and driving, and that's when Santangelo's like, Jesus, isn't that a little too far? <laughs> yeah. The one thing that we always do. I was like, yeah. drinking and driving's pretty bad, guy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, but yes, to get into the detail derailed, um, we start off with uh, Jimmy going into Rawls' office, giving him a bunch of like paperwork, like, hey, look at how good I'm doing at this case. Um, and Rawls doesn't want to hear it. Rawls is just there to tell him how uh, the rotation works. I'm a reasonable guy. In fact, everywhere I go, people say to me, 
Bill Rawls, you are a reasonable fucking guy. Am I right, Jay? You are reasonable, sir. Do you know what we do here, McNulty? What we do here? <laughs> that was one of them, uh, what do you call it? It's a question you don't really have to... A uh, rhetorical question. You were being rhetorical. Rhetorical and reasonable, sir. We work murder cases here, detective. We work them as they come in, one at a fucking time. It's called the rotation. You're up till you catch one. When you catch one, you step down, you work it for a while, someone else steps up. It's a simple but effective way to do business in a town that has 250 to 300 cases a year. Yes, sir. But if someone gets it into his head to leave the rotation, it puts an unfair burden on the other detectives who have to pick up their casework. Overworked cops make mistakes. Mistakes lower the unit-wide clearance rate. And that can make someone who is uh, otherwise as reasonable as me unreasonable. Uh, Rawls tells him uh, the rotation works, you know, in this way that is good for clearances, probably bad for actual justice, but good for clearances. Um, yeah, police then, work is fantasy football to him. He wants to see the little numbers yeah. change. The he doesn't numbers care what change. the players do. He has a football lines. behind him in that scene too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, because that's all they care about is uh, scores. Scores matter. It's a football signed by all of the NFL players they pulled over and let them off with a, <laughs> for the DUI and let them off. Yeah, yeah. sign <laughs> sign the football. I'll let you off. It's like Ray Lewis is on the air. Henry Ruggs. Like they got the Marshawn Lynch. All, yeah. All, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um. So then Jimmy gets a call about a crime scene, and he goes over and sees Brandon, Omar's lover, splayed out dead. And um, th they have this great moment where they're waiting for the crime lab to get there. Um. But both of the crime lab uh, vans are busy at the city council president's house because he had some lawn furniture stolen and they're they're literally taking prints of his deck. Wait for crime lab? Over an hour. Only two units on the street and both of them are up at the city council president's house. What happened there? Someone stole his lawn furniture. Up there taking pictures of an empty patio just in the backyard gate for latents. I kid you not. <laughs> this is a wonderful bit of detail that I am absolutely positive is real. Like this yeah. comes from David Simon's That's actual. It's too specific. Work. It's too specific not to be Way real. Way too specific. Um, so Jimmy is now just trying really hard to get um, to get Omar's attention, and um, in uh, later in the episode, um, Rawls finally does look at the folders and realizes that they have something close to looking like a plausible case that you could charge. So he immediately is like, charge these murders, even though they are wrapped up in the actual detail. And um, that's when Bunk goes and tells McNulty, like, hey, they're going to try to fuck up your whole thing. Fuck him, Rawls. He's fucking up the case to get to me. No, he's fucking it up for three paper clearances on prior cases, Jimmy. It ain't personal. Rawls told him to have the warrants typed and ready by morning. You telling me he's gonna charge murders he can't prove just to get the stats? And fuck up our case in the process. And we take this to Daniels. Are you kidding me? Daniels has been trying to put the brakes on this for weeks now. This will be his new excuse to close shop. We tell Daniels. Fuck Daniels and his fucking ass kissing up the chain of command ambition. What other choice you got, huh? We go to Daniels. If he fights, he fights. And if he gives it up to Rawls, then fuck it. We were never gonna do the case anyway. If they charge it, whether or not 
they get a conviction, even if they get the thing thrown out, he still gets the stat for it going it goes from red to black no matter what even if they can't get the conviction which is like the craziest shit i i didn't know that till i watched this episode that that was how the stats worked where you could just like you literally all you have to do as a police officer to get a murder to be quote unquote solved is to just have someone to accuse mm. that's all you gotta that's, do that's literally every job though is just based off of statistics because yes, they have to true. like commodify it somehow no, so dude in yes everything i mean in web content like that comes up constantly where mm -hmm. like the bosses are trying to get you to do something that like maximizes page views but i'm like pushing back to be like no people fucking hate doing it people hate having to like scroll remember like slideshows every uh -huh. picture slideshow it was like hey we can get like 20 page views out of this one story uh and yeah. who cares if we like piss people off and they never come back to, to give the fucking to site again yes well it to give it to advertisers and the advertisers in turn are lying to the next yes. level they're like yes look at how much ad coverage we're getting yeah, no, they're facebook lying to the is, sales team about <laughs> facebook is going oh my god this video got a hundred thousand views and then uh yeah it, you know it just like it's the short-sightedness which i think is this yes. like universal everybody's going thing after short everybody's going after short-term money like all the way up to the fucking invest like the vcs that are funding some of mm -hmm. these companies where it's like they're not looking to build a stable profit over you know the course of yeah. 10 15 years this, this no longer sounds like a wire podcast by no the way. It, but it's, it's the though. same it's all the same <laughs> it, I know, impulse. I know. it's all the same impulse to like get in it's you know get back the numbers and then cash out like that's right exactly like the long-term gains of like actually building this case would be better than just getting these three clearances but like it's yeah. whether you're talking about vcs or rolls or talking about bubbles it's all about like every all the guys you're describing are bubbles in this <laughs> in this episode bubbles literally starts off with a job he has a job in which he is selling fruit. It's a straight job, regular ass job. And Johnny Weeks comes over with some new guy named Huck, another uh, another like heroin addict, and is like, "What are you doing working at this job? We got, we got this plan. It's a plan to steal <laughs> copper." Where's the scam out here? This guy here is an honest day's work for honest day's pay. Oh, Mr. Straight Time Bubbles. You know, gotta give a little something back when they least expect it. Me and Okay, we got something on too. Got a plan. Yo, we're gonna take off on the Copper House. Damn, Johnny, the first few days out, you wanna get all dramatical. Copper House. You got to be got homes. Yeah, what about the fence? Yeah, fuck the fence. Fuck the <laughs> How about the dog? Fuck the dog. That's a regular paycheck. That's a regular paycheck yeah. that requires. I guess none I don't know. I, I feel like they didn't make it clear enough where he's like, hey, I need to cash out. And like there's no conversation about like Oh, you're quitting at like 10 a.m. on a business day so you can go steal yeah. some copper. Like, I need to know Just a little more fruit out. about the guy who hired Bubbles and how that went down. But it's yeah. probably a guy who just saying. pays people under the table in order to like sell some fruit. I get, I'll get, I'll give you like X amount of money hourly. You work a couple of hours and you get, and you have enough for a hit. Like, it's it's how jobs work you know and mm -hmm. it's like the yeah. long the long-term gains of that are different than the short-term gains of let's do a let's do a copper scam so i feel like yeah. in, in a way it's like the difference is is like the the long boring slog of actually building something that's worthy of your time like a case 
or or like a good website that isn't just a bunch yeah. of slideshows versus uh, the excitement, the dream of the perfect scam in which not only do you yeah. steal the copper and sell it to the contractor, but then once he builds the house, uh, builds like the units, you steal the copper right out of the drywall. <laughs> it's like, yeah. the, it's it's all about the dream of the the scam than it is the long-term like oh, slog yeah. of, of real yeah. progress. Um, yeah. So um, then uh, McNulty's asks Daniels, hey, can you, you know, go out on a limb? And Daniels is like, no, chain of command. But then Daniels kind of has a change of heart and tries actually asking, like, you know, asking around. He asks Rawls. He pleads with him not to charge these murders. And Rawls is just like, he looks at him like he's speaking another language. Like it's like it's ridiculous for him to even ask. Like, well, because he's again, he's he's only a short term thinker. Like, and right. since Daniels didn't didn't offer him like a clear quid pro quo right. or something yeah. that the favor would get him somewhere along. Like, I feel like right. if Burrell was there, Burrell could have spun it in a way where it's like, hey, this is a this is a black lieutenant with a law degree. He might be he might have some juice in the near future and he might be able to do you a solid somewhere along the, down the right. line. Right. That's but, true. But Daniels sort of lacks the ability to he doesn't have that politician thing where he can spin those yes. things and 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 spin that line of bullshit. So right. he's kind of just like yeah, can you do me a favor? And of course, Rawls isn't going to do him a favor. <laughs> like, yeah. You gave yeah. him no reason to other than, oh, don't you want to be a nice guy? Clearly, yeah, yeah. he does not want to be a nice guy. Like, I'll be your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that that never works. Um, but yeah, so then um, McNulty is like, man, fuck this job. I'm going to spend time with my kids. And uh, he does that for about five seconds before he decides to bring uh, the before Omar actually contacts him. And, um, you know, he takes Omar and his kids to go look at the body of uh, this beautiful dead boy. <laughs> the, um, child, the child was in the room. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he, this, he he made the child look at the body in order yeah. to harden him to the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's like, like, this is hey, what it's like. kids. <laughs> this yeah. could be you. Um, if you tell your mother yeah it's like, <laughs> do you think he was a beautiful boy too um <laughs> yeah. and uh so omar um is very distraught he does have that amazing scream that he does when he's looking at the body And one of my favorite moments in this episode is when Kima and McNulty are basically pleading with Omar to to not just decide to do street justice, to like also help them out. And uh, and I have a clip. I know you want to go to wherever it is you lay your head and pick up that salt off you like so much and go on not. That's how a man like you wants to carry you. You wouldn't be wrong. But one man with two barrels ain't enough, Omar. Now you gonna do what you gonna do. But whatever else you can give us on Barksdale and his people, well, that can go to hurting them too. Cause let me tell y'all something, all right? What I do, I do. Straight like that. So ain't no sense y'all even troubling yourselves over that. Cause man, the way I feel right now today, it what y'all need from me. I love that goddamn scene, dude. I love it because he is playing it with actual heartbreak 
And he's also at the same time telling him like, listen, I'm going to do this my way no matter what. You're not going to convince me out of that. But also do a little bit of snitching. <laughs> I'll do yeah. just a just a tiny bit of snitching for you, which is an interesting thing because you're like, wait, does that make him a snitch? Is Omar a snitch now? Well, he was taught like he kind of clarifies it in a later episode where there's like a code. Yeah. Like an unspoken code on the streets that like D'Angelo and co like violated. Right. When they like fucked them all up like that and right. like all that extra shit. So he's yeah. like, fuck it. Gloves are off, homie. I'm going to fucking mobilize the cops against you. I think yeah. he just hates Onyx so much that he was like, fuck bird. I'll put that guy <laughs> in jail. Like, Yeah. I mean, also I'm thinking the fact that he's not, he's not living on snitching. He's not getting paid to snitch. Uh, and, and in fact, he's later uh, decides in a conversation with Kima that he's going to snitch on something he definitely did not actually witness himself. He he says that he's going to put himself oh, yeah. as the witness to Willie Gant's murder, saying that he saw Bird do it. Yeah, 380. You get him, you get the gun. A gun alone ain't enough. Oh, no? He goes to court, testifies he bought the gun on the street after Gant was killed. Come on, man. So what be enough then? Eyeball witness. Some kind of corroboration for what you're telling me here. Okay. Okay what? I'm your man. You saw the murder? Yeah. You can ID this man Bird as a shooter of William Gant, and you ain't afraid to go into court downtown and testify against one of Barksdale's people. Oh, I don't scare. Is it snitching if you're just lying? Like that's the fr I think that technically isn't snitching. That's I think just the lying distinction here is that uh, he is already the, the the Barksdale crew already has a contract out on him. So like the normal right the normal disincentive to snitching is that the people you snitch on might kill you. But like they're already trying oh, to kill him. Point. So he's like, what the fuck do I care? They're already trying to kill me. Well, he tried, he's he's trying to antagonize them. Is how I read it. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's trying to get them to like fucking lose their shit and slip up and like yeah, they're already gunned for him anyway. So he's like. I can get them to expose themselves yes. while also making it harder on them. So why yes. the fuck wouldn't I? That yeah, and that is you know as we will see later, essentially what the plan is here. Uh, meanwhile, McNulty's yelling at Daniels. He's doing the thing where he's just like, "This is on you," um, and uh, making making Daniels feel bad, which makes me feel bad because I don't like when <laughs> that's people just how, feel bad. That's just how cops talk when you close the door. Like yeah, as I know. soon as it's two cops in a room by themselves, they just yeah. scream at each they're other. They're yelling at each other because their wives aren't there to hit. He's white privileging and, on Daniels super hard, though. Yeah. So um, Daniels is continually trying. He talks to Major Forrester, like, can you please help? And he's like, no, I like my job. Um, and uh, finally, Daniels goes uh, straight to the deputy ops and he has this fucking great scene with Burrell and Rawls, and um, uh, I have a clip. The case I charge on today can be twice as strong by the trial date. We get a conviction, we roll little boy Barksdale into big boy Barksdale, then we go home like good old-fashioned cops and pound some Budweiser. <laughs> Did you think he was going to say pound some butt? Yeah, I thought he was going to say something about, like, fucking his wife or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah, He's going to pound said, some butt, but we don't learn that until later. We'll season. learn that a little later. Yeah. This is bullshit. It was McNulty himself who made the ballistics match on these murders, and he's telling me to fight this. He knows you don't have a viable prosecution. So do you. So do I. 
enough. Now, Major Ross here is offering a chance to leverage Boxdale through a murder prosecution. Why not jump on this? Because if Major Rawls is right, then he will be just as right a month from now. And if the wire doesn't give us a case, he can charge all the murders he has. We lose nothing. But if he's wrong, if he can't convict or if the Boxdale kid doesn't flip, then it's too late to do anything else. Avon Boxdale changes up his pattern and the wiretap dies. And at that point, there isn't going to be a thing that you or me or Rawls here is going to be able to say to that goddamn judge. First of all, kudos to Daniels for standing up for himself, even though Rawls has given him this look like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, he's crossing Rawls. That being said, he does dry snitch on McNulty right there mm -hmm, in that moment mm -hmm. and kind of accidentally fucks up McNulty's life. Everybody's always um, dry snitching on McNulty. Yeah, I know. I, I You feel bad because, like, McNulty brings it on himself, but also, yeah. um, damn, dude. Like, just when he... Yeah. Just when Jay got him back in his good graces, you know? Yeah. McNulty is the guy who, even though, like... Somebody has a drive, everybody's drunk, and he's a guy that has so many Deweys already, it just makes the most sense for him to be the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Dude, it's like, your fucking doing, life is shit already. You, like, you already, already don't have lost your license. <laughs> you were going to go to jail anyways, dude. Can you just yeah. take this? Just please take this one for us. Yeah. Um, we'll buy you Denny's. Um, and then finally, uh, Daniels uh, goes up to McNulty and says uh, they have another month. McNulty shows gratitude for the first time fucking ever. And then Freeman asks him if it cost him. And he does not respond, uh, which means it definitely did cost him. And then he looks at the picture of dead Brandon and sighs. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically what happens. Um, do uh, Is there a favorite scene, least favorite scene, or a scene we didn't talk about? Um one of my favorite underrated moments of this episode is that we find out that uh, Officer Polk is named Augie. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't know why that's I'm funny... not going to give up on you, Augie. <laughs> like coming, calling someone Augie in a moment of uh, Yes, of in a very serious moment. Yeah, yeah that's great. like in the middle of your intervention, <laughs> Augie, you need help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my least favorite moment, and this is just a small quibble, but McNulty's playing soccer with his kids. And he's like, mom was, and they're like, mom was making lasagna. And he's like, nah, fuck it. We'll go down to the restaurant and get lasagna. And the kid goes, dad, you never cook. And I'm like, that's must've been written by a writer with no kids. Cause kids don't give a fuck if you cook. They want to go to, they'd much rather go to a yeah, restaurant. Kids like restaurants. Kids love restaurants. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole thing. Like restaurants, they got crayons and kids menus. Yeah. The kid's going to, the kid's yeah. not going to be like, why don't you cook me a home cooked meal, dad? Yeah. They don't give yeah. a shit. That's like a homeschool kid thing. Yeah, totally. I like fresh ingredients. Everything else I have yeah. allergies. We eat raw. <laughs> yeah. In uh, my house. Seed oils so, make me wheeze. Yeah, no protein. Um, and if I had to give this episode like a grade, I think I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Oh yeah, definitely a, a solid B plus. Okay. Uh Adrian, what would you give this episode? I I guess if I had to give it a score. Yeah. You can give it a I score. I think I'd have to go with a, a B plus. Oh, all right. Good score. <laughs> yeah, dude. I like that. That's a score. Yeah. So solid B plus episode of The Wire. 
and a solid A plus 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 episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Mm. Oh, Adrian, five McNair. stars. Five five stars out of six. Five stars. That's yeah. right. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude, thanks for having me. Where can people where can people stalk you on the internet? Uh I have an Instagram. I forget what it's called though. All right. Fair. Uh, <laughs> I forget I forget my handle. Yeah. So uh, don't don't follow him unless you really want to. Yeah, don't follow me. I'm yeah. on Tinder. I'm on, on all the major dating apps. <laughs> I have a five mile square radius from Koreatown. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. So go to that area and just keep swiping until you see me. Yeah. And then contact me and then I'll let you know my next show dates. You'll know it's him because he's uh handsome. He's a handsome, handsome, he's a beautiful yeah, boy. I'm a, I'm a beautiful boy, dude. What uh, What do you bench? <laughs> On a good day? Yeah. I'll give myself like, oh, uh, dude, nobody's made me feel as sexy for a while. Yeah. Uh, totally probably three, like 315, three plates. Oh, dude, that's a lot of plates. On a really good, dude, that's a ton of plates. That's so many plates. Well, Come watch you, me. Um, well, if you want to get uh, lifted and your pussy smashed, uh, hit up Adrian McNair. <laughs> on tinder yeah. <laughs> Plus um, yeah. thank you so much adrian we love you thanks y'all patreon.com slash broadcast the eight dollar tier gets you a shout out vince we have a few more eight dollar tiers yeah we do the first one is zane rohanna roy hanna ruhanna benny hanna okay we call this guy the onion volcano Love it, dude. Mm -hmm. That's a good gangster name. Uh, next is uh, Brian Bergen. We call this guy B squared. Oh, that's good. <laughs> All right. Next is Eric Knudsen. Uh, that's a what's her name? Uh, Fawn yeah, from the big Fawn Big Knudsen. Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Who the fuck are the Knudsens? Yeah, we call this guy uh, fucking Lebowski. Yeah, why not? All right. Uh, next is Gary Klinka. Uh, Colonel Klinka. Yeah, we call yeah we call this guy fucking Hogan's Heroes. You know Hogan's Heroes. All right. Next is Addison Firth. Addison, what is this math class? We call this guy or girl math class. Okay, math class. Next is Kevin Izzard. Uh, yeah, we call uh, yeah, you know Kizzard. The Kizzard. The Kizzard. Yeah, Kizzard. Mm -hmm. Lil' Kiz. Lil' Kizzard. All right, that works. Young Kiz. Young Kiz. All Young right. Kizzle. Young Kizzle. That's all, you get all those nicknames. Next, Colin okay. Avery. Uh, Colin Avery. C. Avery. He's always cave, caving. We call this guy the Wheeze. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because I don't know how we got there, yeah. but it seemed like you wanted, were built. I want to do a misdirect sometimes. Yeah, that's a great. And finally, the last one, Les Jones. Les Jones. That's the, we call this one Ghostbuster. Les Joe. Les Jones, Les the Joe. Ghostbuster. Mm -hmm. Ghostbust in that nut. So that's all of the $8 patron. Pod yourself a shout outs for the week. Um, if you didn't hear your name, don't worry. It's probably coming. And if we get to, you know, towards the end of the season, you still haven't heard it. 
uh, of course, message us, you know, but first to message us, you got to go to patreon.com slash frogcast and subscribe. Frogcast at gmail.com for all the questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah, bitch, this is a show about the wire, and it's also about putting out some fires. It's about war on drugs and the war on terror. It's about lots of things, but it's also about cool guys who sell drugs to their friends and their thugs, and everybody's seeing all the things going on, and no one doing nothing. And no one's ever gonna win And the war won't end Till everyone tries heroin About schools And people who work at the docks And people who teach in schools And the newspaper guys at the end And also about drug dealers And also about drug users And also about McNulty Getting a divorce from his wife He's not a This is from the album Sea Change by Beck. Um, it came out in 2002, which is why I'm doing it. And you know what? From now on, I, I will start playing the song a little bit for Vince and the guests. All right? So you can stop emailing me about it. Okay? Fuck. You burnt out eyes. They've broken your bones. Cut and scarred Near Wallace's home They leave you here Wearing your wounds Omar's boyfriend 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.